Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Vega v. Teco, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, argued April 20th, 2022, decided June 23rd, 2022. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes, or you can get a hold of me at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. The case arose out of the interrogation of respondent Terrence Teco, by Petitioner Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Carlos Vega. Deputy Vega questioned Tico at the medical center where Tico worked regarding the reported sexual assault of a patient. Vega did not inform Tico of his rights under Miranda v. Arizona. Tico eventually provided a written statement apologizing for inappropriately touching the patient's genitals. Tico was prosecuted for unlawful sexual penetration. His written statement was admitted against him at trial. After the jury returned a verdict of not guilty, Tico sued Vega under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983, seeking damages for alleged violations of his constitutional rights. The Ninth Circuit held that the use of an unmirandized statement against a defendant in a criminal proceeding violates the Fifth Amendment and may support a Section 1983 claim against the officer who obtained the statement. Supreme Court held a uh, decision below is reversed and uh, Justice Alito delivered the opinion. A violation of the Miranda rules does not provide a basis for a Section 1983 claim. Section 1983 provides a cause of action against the person acting under color of state law who subjects a person to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured by the Constitution and laws. Teco argues that a violation of Miranda constitutes a violation of the Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination. That is wrong. In Miranda, the court concluded that additional procedural protections were necessary to prevent the violation of the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination when suspects who are in custody are interrogated by the police. Miranda imposed a set of prophylactic rules requiring that custodial interrogation be preceded by now familiar warnings and disallowing the use of statements obtained in violation of these new rules by the prosecution and its case in chief. Miranda did not hold that a violation of the rules it established necessarily constitute a Fifth Amendment violation. That makes sense, as an unmirandized suspect in custody may make self-incriminating statements without any hint of compulsion. The Miranda court stated that the Constitution did not itself require adherence to any particular solution for the inherent compulsions of the interrogation process, and that its decision in no way created a constitutional straitjacket. Since Miranda, the court has repeatedly described Miranda as Miranda rules as prophylactic After Miranda, the court engaged in the process of charting the dimensions of the new prophylactic rules, and in doing so, weighed the benefits and costs of any clarification of the prophylactic rule's scope. See Maryland v. Schatzer. Some post-Miranda decisions found that the balance of interest justified restrictions that would not have been possible if Miranda described the Fifth Amendment right as opposed to a set of rules designed to protect that right. For example, in Harris versus New York, 
the court held that a statement obtained in violation of Miranda could be used to impeach the testimony of a defendant, even though an involuntary state an involuntary statement obtained in violation of the Fifth Amendment could not have been employed in this way. In Michigan versus Tucker, the court held that the fruits of an unmirandized statement can be admitted. In doing so, the court distinguished police conduct that abridges a person's constitutional privilege against compulsory self-incrimination from conduct that departs only from the prophylactic standards later laid down by this court in Miranda to safeguard that privilege. Similarly, in Oregon versus Elstad, the court, following the reasoning in Tucker, refused to exclude a signed confession and emphasized that an officer's error in administering the prophylactic Miranda procedures should not breed the same irredeemable consequences as police infringement of the Fifth Amendment itself. While many of the court's decisions imposed limits on Miranda's prophylactic rules, the other decisions found that the balance of interests called for expansion. For example, in Doyle v. Ohio, the court held that silence following a Miranda warning cannot be used to impeach. The court acknowledged that Miranda warnings are prophylactic, but it found that allowing the use of post-warning silence would undermine the warning's implicit promise that silence would not be used to convict. Likewise, in Withrow v. Williams, the court rejected an attempt to restrict Miranda's application in collateral proceedings based on the reasoning in Stone v. Powell. Once again, acknowledging that Miranda adopted prophylactic rules the court balanced the competing interests and found that the costs of adopting a stone-like rule outweighed any benefits. In sum, the court's post-Miranda cases acknowledge the prophylactic nature of the Miranda rules and engage in cost-benefit analysis to define their scope. The court's decision in Dickerson v. United States did not upset the firmly established prior understanding of Miranda as a prophylactic decision. Dickerson involved a federal statute, 18 U.S.C. section 3501, that effectively overruled Miranda by making the admissibility of a statement given during custodial interrogation turn solely on whether it was made voluntarily. The court held that Congress could not abrogate Miranda by statute because Miranda was a constitutional decision that adopted a constitutional rule and the court noted that these rules could not have been made applicable to the states if they did not have that status. At the same time, the court made it clear that it was not equating a violation of the Miranda rules with an outright Fifth Amendment violation. Instead, the Dickerson court described the Miranda rules as constitutionally based, with constitutional underpinnings. Those formulations obviously avoided saying that a Miranda violation is the same as a violation of the Fifth Amendment right. Miranda was a constitutional decision, and it adopted a constitutional rule, in the sense that the decision was based on the court's judgment about what is required to safeguard that constitutional right. And when the court adopts a constitutional prophylactic rule of this nature, Dickerson concluded, the rule has the status of a law of the United States that is binding on the states under the Supremacy Clause, as Miranda implicitly held since three of the four decisions it reversed came from state court. 
and the rule cannot be altered by ordinary legislation. Dickerson thus asserted a bold and controversial claim that this court has the authority to create constitutionally-based prophylactic rules that bind both the federal and state courts. But Dickerson cannot be understood any other way consistent with the court's prior decisions. Subsequent cases confirm that Dickerson did not upend the court's understanding of the Miranda rules as prophylactic. In sum, a violation of Miranda does not necessarily constitute a violation of the Constitution, and therefore such a violation does not constitute the deprivation of a right secured by the Constitution for purposes of Section 1983. A Section 1983 claim may also be based on the deprivation of any rights secured by the laws, but the argument that Miranda rules constitute federal law that can provide the ground for a Section 1983 claim cannot succeed unless Teco can persuade the court that this new law should be expanded to include the right to sue for damages under Section 1983. A judicially crafted prophylactic rule should apply only where its benefits outweigh its costs. That's Schatzer. Here, while the benefits of permitting the assertion of Miranda claims under Section 1983 would be slight, the costs would be substantial. For example, allowing a claim like Teco's would disserve judicial economy. That's uh, Park Lane Hosiery versus Shore. By requiring a federal judge or jury to adjudicate a factual question, whether Teco was in custody when questioned, that had already been decided by a state court, allowing Section 1983 suits based on Miranda claims could also present many procedural issues. Miranda and its progeny provide sufficient protection for the Fifth Amendment right against self-compelled against compelled self-incrimination. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Justice Kagan filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, uh, Breyer and Sotomayor joined. Again, if you'd like to support the podcast, I can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's uh, R-O-A-D-S, like the truck driving roads, and the number eight zero. Or you can find a PayPal link in the show notes.